question that Jesus asked that I think was very, very profound that we started last week, St. Matthew chapter 16. And one of the things that I want you to see on the back of your notes is that there is space for you to put your own notes. And the reason for the three-hole punch is so that you can save them and maybe use them as, um, I don't know, maybe devotional a devotional lesson through the week. That would be a nice little uh, addition to what you have in your regular Bible study. But so if you don't have a notebook, it seems like my mic just went out. Um, I don't know if you guys can hear me okay, Marcus. Uh, seems like it went out here locally. We yes, we can. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. So at any rate, oh, I'll just kind of shout a little more. So the purpose of the notebook, uh, they're like this. If you don't have one, we may have some extra ones. Purpose of the notebook is so that, oh, wow, this is actually somebody's notes. And I see some handwritten notes here, too, for the Beecham's Bible class. Let me just see who I can find. I can find a name here so I can embarrass. Let me see if I can embarrass somebody. Oh, wow, right here. Says Rick Navarro. He loved it. So, so how much he, no, just kidding, Rick. <laughs> but uh, but if, you, if you need a notebook like this to keep your notes in, we'll give you some. Because what I like you guys to do is I like you to use my notes maybe just as a guideline, but I really want you to take your own notes. Okay, if, if you hear anything that you feel was important during the message or any scripture that you want to look up later, just make a note of it. And it can make, you know, I used to, I, I got to get some more, boy, I'm out. Let me just see, let me just make sure I don't hear anything. Uh, did you change the batteries on this one? Okay, all right, no problem. Wait a minute. I'm It's a button. Okay, so um, um, so I want I'd like you to take notes just because there may be some things that you want to use in your personal devotions through the week. Okay, so enough of that. And if you if you need any additional resources, um, just let me know. I'll be glad to try to help you. I mentioned the book that that I read. Excuse, excuse me, I hate to do this, yeah. but can, can Brother Rick add a little more volume to your green mic, please? Okay, all right. Well, we're going to switch back to the live. Okay, later. thank you. All right, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Just want to make sure we hear you. Thank you. Okay. All right, great. Okay, so, all right, so I'm back. I'm back on my head-worn mic. Hopefully that's okay. Thank you. All right, is that better? Yes. Okay, I, I need just a little more house... Let me just turn this around. Okay. All right. Okay. Now that's a little too loud, but that's, we're getting there. Okay. All right. All right. A little technical difficulties, but we're working on it. Please excuse us as we get it together. Uh, I, I didn't get a chance to work with the system as much this week. Things at work were crazy, but um, I needed to do some updates on our system. All right. So 
let me make this brief because I know we have the Lord's table. So in Matthew 16, Jesus asked two very profound questions. First, he asked the disciples, who do other people, what do other people say about me? It's essentially what he was saying. Who do people say that I am? And Mark pointed out something last week, and I just want to give him props because I, I knew this and I didn't bring it out because I didn't want to take too much time going into the fact that the people of the first century had ideas. And even before the first century, dating back to the occupation in the Old Testament, during the 400 years of the Maccabees between the Old Testament and the New Testament, they were thinking that Elijah was going to come back because remember, Elijah never really died a physical death. You all with me? Elijah was caught up. Boy, wouldn't that be nice? Elijah was just caught up. Elijah didn't die physically. Neither did Enoch, by the way, if you're keeping score. So they were looking for the return of Elijah, not Elisha, because Elisha did die a physical death. They were also looking for the return of Jeremiah or one of the prophets because they thought there were some passages that I could read to you, which I won't for the sake of time, that Jeremiah possibly would reappear. And then one more guy. They thought that John the Baptist would come back because he died such a cruel martyr's death. They thought that he was going to possibly reconsecrate, reconstituted and, and resurrected in the, um, in, the, in the person of the Messiah. So there were, there were anticipation for the reappearance of those three guys and maybe one of the prophets. Didn't happen. I mean, it didn't happen yet. It still could happen in the millennial period or in the end of the tribulation uh, period more precisely. But this was Jesus, and they didn't recognize him. They didn't see who he was. And, that, and that's such a profound point. I won't rehash last week's sermon. But what an amazing thing to have Jesus in the house to have Jesus in your presence and you not recognize him. So many people go to church every Sunday and they still don't really know who Jesus is. They know about religion. They know about spirituality, so quote unquote. They know about churchiosity. They know about the organization, but they never ever really get to know Jesus personally. So Jesus flipped the question and asked question number two, who do you think I am? He personalized it. He wanted a personal confession of faith. He wanted people to confront their own minds and hearts and say who you think Jesus is. Who is Jesus to you? Might be a way that we would rephrase the question for today, okay? And, and Simon Peter being sort of the unofficial spokesman for the group, he spoke up and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Just an amazing answer. An answer that he couldn't have come up with by uh, going to seminary or going to college or going to Hebrew University. This was an answer that the Bible says came to him only through the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so he said to Peter, who do you think I am? And Peter gave the answer. I kind of gave you guys last week the whole thing about Catholicism, building that building Catholicism on the confession of Peter's statement, building Catholicism on Peter himself, building Catholicism on Mary, the mother of Jesus. We are just so, as a people, as humans, we are just so prone to idolize and immortalize things and people and objects and movements. And that's, I, love, I love 
I love the fact that Peter once again made this statement in John chapter 6 when people were leaving Jesus and scattering like flies and they were running away from him in the end of John 6 after he had done all these great miracles. And Jesus said the question. Jesus said another profound question. He said, you know what? I think I did this once. I did a sermon on some of the questions that Jesus asked. Jesus asked such profound questions. Some of them are so convicting. Some of them are so revealing. You should study that in your reading. Take a look, take a look at the amount of questions Jesus asked. They were amazing. It it's really would be a profound study. But listen to this. Jesus asked this question in John 6. Stay with me. I know the kids are moving. It's okay. Just stay focused. I'm going to be really short because we have more things to do. Jesus said, will you leave me also? Because everybody was leaving Jesus. And it was Peter once again that spoke up. And he said, Lord, not where can we go? Not when can we go? Not what movement can we join? Peter said, to whom? He personalized it. To whom shall we go? Where, what person? Who can we follow that's like you? Who can we follow that's better than you? Who can we follow that's more powerful than you? Who can we go to? I love that, guys. Look at that in John 6. Last six, last six verses of John 6 will give you that, that information. But at any rate, so Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And I love what Joshua said back in Joshua 24 about similarly the same question. He said, and if it seemed evil to you in Joshua 24, 15, King James Version, unto you who you will serve, choose you this day whom you will serve. So Joshua was making it personal. We have to make a decision, ladies and gentlemen. Who are we going to serve? Who are we going to follow? Who are we going to live for? And that, that's really the question Jesus was asking. It was the question Joshua was asking, essentially, to the Israelites way, way back in the 24th chapter of, of Joshua. Um, Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.12. He said, for this reason, I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed. For watch this. You all still listening? Just give me a few more minutes. He said, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced, the New American Standard says, that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Oh, man. That is just, it sounds so much like a scripture just popped in my head on that same vein. It sounds so much like what Paul wrote in Philippians. Write this down in your notes. Philippians 1.6. Here's what it says, guys. It says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, you know the rest, right? He will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He had that started a good work in you. So, so Paul is saying essentially the same thing here in Timothy. He basically says the same thing he says, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. In other words, I know God's going to get me through because I trusted in him. Jesus is God. Jesus is God incarnate. Jesus is God in the flesh. When God is in the house, as it is in St. Luke 10, 38 through 42, when God was in Martha's house, she should have been giving him her full undivided attention. 
Amen. Are you all with me? Just a couple more minutes. And the purpose, I think there's, Gloria made a point of this in Sunday school this morning, that there is such a correlation between this lesson and Matthew 16 with Jesus asking the disciples and those around him to identify who he is to them with, with the conversation that went on between Mary and Martha and Jesus really more like Martha and Jesus, and St. Luke 10, when Martha said, Lord, I'm, doing, I'm here in the kitchen. I'm doing all this work by myself. Make Mary help me. You know, and I commented on this in Sunday school. You never tell the Lord to make somebody do anything. You, you never tell, you, you never give the Lord a directive. First of all, Martha, watch your tone. <laughs> and respect who you're talking to. This is not just some other rabbi, some random preacher that's visiting from Nazareth. This is not just some prophet or even just, you know, some priest. This is God. This is God in the flesh. You don't tell him anything. And you certainly don't complain to him because what you're really saying is, I'm doing all the work. She ought to be helping me. Make her get up and help me. Well, I said it this morning. I won't reiterate it uh, for the sake of redundancy, but I will say Martha had two issues. It correlates to this. Uh, she wasn't really 100% sure, I think, who Jesus was. It's, her actions would betray her if she did. Number one, she was doing um, the right thing, but at the wrong time. She was serving. She was working when she should have been worshiping. And number two, she had a bad attitude. Her attitude was one of accusatory action towards Martha, towards Mary, when it should have been not about Mary. Mary wasn't in this. Mary's name was Bennett. She wasn't in it. I don't know why Martha tried to drag her into it, but Mary just sitting there minding her business. She's just sitting there minding her business, Sister Josephine. Mary's just sitting there listening to Jesus. Wasn't bothering nobody just sitting quietly at Jesus' feet, trying to get a spiritual education, right? And Martha in the kitchen, fixing this amazing equivalency of Thanksgiving dinner, no doubt, and complaining about it because Sister Mary Martin so well pointed it out, she could have been tired, she could have been frustrated, she had all this work to do, maybe Jesus then came unexpectedly, and she wasn't ready to entertain or serve 13 hungry, musty, dusty men that were tired and needed to eat. Maybe she wasn't ready for that. Maybe she didn't have enough food in the house and she had to cobble some things together, right? So I don't, I don't criticize Martha's, her, her willingness and her volunteerism and her spirit of hospitality but I think what Jesus was gently and so kindly chiding her on. And by the way, when Jesus uses the word Martha, Martha, when he uses that expression, that he said that other times in Scripture, I think there's like six or seven times you hear a person's name mentioned in repetition, Martha, 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 Peter, Peter. Um, he will say that those are typically expressions of endearment. There's typically expressions, expressions of tenderness. I could hear him saying it like this, Martha, Martha, like, come on, Martha, cut Mary some slack. Mary's here hanging out with me. We're chilling, we're talking, I'm teaching, she's learning. 
It's all good. We go eat. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're going to eat. It's going to happen. But right now, I just feel inspired to share some eternal nuggets. And, and Mary just wants to glean. There's not a problem with that. Right? And I think, I think for us, the, the takeaway this morning, the takeaway, the walking points for us this morning, listen, I'm wrapping this up. The walking point says, let's make sure that we're not working when we should be worshiping. Let's make sure that we're breaking off time in our day to spend time with the Lord quietly, attentively, undividedly. Amen? I think another thing is, let's make sure that when we're doing good things, when we're working for the Lord, when we're doing our thing, when we're serving, when we're helping, when we're ministering, when we're using our gifts and our, our, our talents, let's make sure that we're not condemning others because they're not doing the same thing or doing it the same way or doing it at the same time or doing it with us. Let's make sure we're not pointing the finger of accusation against someone else when God may have given them a different assignment to manifest itself in a different way at a different time and a different place. We don't know. And guess what? Memo. You don't have time to worry about somebody else. Even if they should be doing it. I need to stay focused on what I'm doing. I need to get this right. I need to get this done. I need to get this the way the Lord wants it. I need to make sure I'm pleasing in his sight. I don't have time to criticize, critique, and worry about how you're doing your work, your ministry. Amen? Amen. So I love Martha. As a pastor, we want a church full of Marthas. <laughs> but we need some Marys. <laughs> we need some folks with the Holy Ghost. We need some folks that want to listen and sit at Jesus' feet and learn and grow and mature. Amen? Amen. We need some people coming off of milk onto meat. I'm like, coach, I'm just going to go sit down. <laughs> God bless you. Amen. Anderson, ladies. We're going to hear from the Anderson ladies at this time. 